our worship together today has recalled world-changing events. A tomb borrowed for three days, Mary and the other uh, sisters uh, rushing to find that, that it was empty, and then running to tell Peter and John, as we saw in, in the video, and them chasing, running to the tomb, and John waiting outside, and Peter entering in. And what we didn't see, but John continues in his account, that they returned to that very house. And Peter, the leader, announces to everyone, he lives. The tomb is empty. Imagine the shockwave that would go through that house. And then Luke records how Cleopas and another disciple uh, came back to the house later that evening and said, we walked with him. We walked with him. John's eyewitness account says that, that all of the disciples were there in that house. Not exactly all of the disciples, as we'll see in just a moment. Uh, uh, afraid of reprisals, uh, they, they shut the door, they locked the door, they locked the windows. And then John records that Jesus, in the flesh, appears before them and says, peace be with you. He shows them his hands and, and, and his side, and he's not a, a hallucination. And so John writes that the reaction of everyone, he says, all of the disciples were overjoyed, but not all of them. Thomas wasn't there to see Jesus. Th Thomas missed the party. He missed the spiritual high. He was running late. His friend's reaction that they described as being overjoyed, it, it, it troubled Thomas, the one we know as Doubting Thomas. It kind of messed with his head. You know, there's two types of people in the world. We could put us all in two kind of categories. Uh, there are those that are feelers, and there are those that are thinkers. Turn to the person next to you. Maybe you know them. Which kind are they? Are they a feeler? They kind of go with their gut, go with their heart's emotion. They kind of run hot. Or are they a little bit more serene, a little bit more cerebral? You're looking, you already know the people you're sitting with, so you probably know who's who. I imagine the Apostle Peter, uh, if, you, if you know his story, he was a feeler. He wore his heart on his sleeve. He ran a little hot under the collar. But Thomas, what we know of Thomas, I think he was a little bit more uh, chill, a little more cerebral. He didn't lead with his heart. He led with his mind. He thinks things through. He was logical before he made a move, before he made a big decision. And Thomas sees this scene, and he doesn't know what to make of it. All this wild talk of, of resurrection troubled Thomas. Now, now, for Peter's sake, we could cut him some slack, couldn't we? We watched the video. We watched the video. He denied Jesus three times. Thomas is probably thinking, we all know Peter, a little hot under the collar. He's come back. He thinks he's seen something. He misses the rabbi, and so he's reacting. But now he's getting everybody stirred up. Overjoyed? Thomas is just frustrated. I, I imagine he's also thinking, hey, you know, I miss Jesus too. Yeah, I might not wear my heart on my sleeve, but, but, but I love Jesus. But facts are facts, and the reality is he was, he was crucified by the Romans. 
Period. End of story. Or is that the end of the story? Would you please stand? And I'd like to invite Lindsay, our, our youth director, to come and read John's eyewitness account from John chapter 20, verses 24 to 29. Let's see what happened. Now Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands? Reach out your hand and put my hand into my side. Put your hand into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. We are blessed today. Amen. Thank you. Please be seated. Now let's rewind the tape and go back to to Sunday night and that scene, that commotion in the house when everyone's overjoyed. Listen again to what Thomas says. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were, it's kind of graphic, isn't it? And put my hand into his side, I will not believe. Imagine his friends, they're like family pleading with him. No, Thomas, you, you don't get it. No, it, it's real. And he just lays it out. This is what would need to happen for me to believe. And they keep going. And he says, enough. You're not going to convince me with all of your shouting or your shouting. Unless I see it with my own two eyes, it can't be true. It's one thing to believe in a ghost. We know ghost stories. But you're talking about Physical resurrection. He's risen. Indeed, I'm not so sure, Thomas is thinking. In fact, he'd say nonsense. And so the best thing Thomas could do, look at the scene here. Imagine yourself. Maybe that's the conversation that might happen in some dinner tables tonight. Talk about religion, politics, see how that goes. The best thing Thomas can do is quietly slip out the door and just walk the streets at night alone just to collect his thoughts, to to clear his mind, to to make sense of it all. His mind's filled with with memories of of three years following Jesus. You know, there are some here that that attend this church or other churches. You've been walking with Jesus for a long time. You, You believe and you live it, and praise God for that. And just every day feels like a spiritual high for some of us here. There are others here that, that, that believe, but boy, that spiritual high, oh, it kind of tapers off, doesn't it? Doesn't it? Some of us that went to Mexico, do we feel as high as we did when we were in Mexico on a mission trip? Uh, we have this great, amazing moment. That must have been God. Oh. And some of us, have more questions and doubts than we do faith. And all of that is is part of what it means to to walk with God. All of those types of people, all of us here, represented here in Scripture. Don't you think they would edit that part out? 
I, I think for Thomas, he believes in God up here, but it hasn't moved to his heart. It was to Thomas who doubted knowing the way, but he asked a question that everyone was probably thinking, but was too embarrassed to ask when he said to Jesus, we don't know the way. And because of that question, it prompted Jesus to say to him, Thomas, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Thomas remembers him saying that just a few nights before. He said it like he believed it. How, how could they all be convinced? There are so many things that Thomas experienced and saw with his own eyes that he would deem unbelievable if he wasn't there to see. He saw miracles. He saw Lazarus raised from the dead. And Jesus somehow knew, he predicted that he was going to die in Jerusalem and rise again. Resurrection still seemed too incredible to be true, but, but the more Thomas thought about it, I imagine the more he started to doubt his own convictions. It would make sense of prophecies that he'd been taught as a boy. So I, I love seeing Resurrection Sunday from the point of view of Thomas, someone who gets a bad rap, who's been given a label of, of a doubter. I'm thank, thankful for Thomas because I don't know about you, but I've been walking with Jesus for over 30 years, and I have my doubts. Doubts, uncertainties, skepticism. I need to look. I need to understand. I need to study. I went to, to school to study it. And maybe some of you have your doubts and questions, and that's, that's okay. That's, again, that's part of what it means to be part of the church, that we can come together. We can study God's word. We can experience community together. We can pray for one another and see God at work in one another's lives. But in Thomas's case, he lets his skepticism get in the way and get the better of him. He's so certain that Jesus is dead, he's blind to any evidence. It isn't true. I don't care what you say. I'm going to close my eyes and put my fingers in my, in my ears. I don't want to hear it. So a week goes by. A week goes by in the text, and then it happened. Jesus appeared before the disciples, standing right in front of Thomas in the flesh. And the very first word he spoke was the word that Thomas most needed to hear. Peace be with you. Thomas could hardly breathe. And then look what Jesus says. Put your finger here. And see my hands. Put your hand in my side, Thomas. Stop doubting and believe. All of Thomas's skepticism evaporated. Tears of repentance filled his eyes. Relief and joy flooded his mind. Love penetrated his heart, and he confessed, My Lord. And my God. And right there and then, Thomas, the, the logical one, the cerebral one, the thinker, Mr. Chill, experienced a peace that the Apostle Paul writes later, a peace that surpasses understanding, washed over Thomas. 
The gospel of Jesus Christ is this. He came to restore what was lost in the fall. He lived the perfect life, and he died on the cross to pay for your sins and mine and the world's. And yet he rose on the third day by the power of God. And that very same power that raised Jesus from the dead is bringing about that new creation and that new humanity and that very new beginning that is offered to you and to all this very day. As we've been saying these past few weeks, he is the way to God. He is the truth about God. And he is the life in God. And that's what we celebrate this Resurrection Sunday. The three biggest life questions you'll ever answer are these. Three biggest life questions. Number one, who am I? Number two, what is my life purpose? And number three, what is my life plan? Number one, who are you? According to scripture, God says you're more than you think you are. From cover to cover, that's one of the messages about who you are. That God thinks, when he sees you, that you are more than you think you are. More than your occupation, your accomplishments, your age or income, your status or class, your trials or, or, or titles. You are more than you think you are. Jesus said to his disciples, because you've seen me, you've believed. Blessed are those who believe but have not seen me. Is there anyone here who's seen Jesus in the flesh? Okay, good, because we'd have to, we'd have to talk. I'd lo- I would love to hear that story. And actually, Scripture says, now because the Spirit has come, that, that if we confess Jesus is Lord and, and believe that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. We will be given new life. We will be given a new identity, a new label. Forget all the labels the world gives you. He calls you his beloved You're his child. And that blessing comes. What a blessing to know who we truly are in Christ. That's question one. Who am I? Question two, what is my life purpose? What what is your life purpose? I imagine that's the question that uh, parents, I'm a a parent of a teenager. I ask uh, my son, he's 15 and a half, where where are you headed? What's the plan? Where are we going? Parents, you ask your kids these questions? Some of us start with like a three-year-old. Okay, come on, Timmy. Timmy, you missed the goal. What, you're not going to amount to anything. How are we going to get you a Division I school? Or maybe you're talking to Timothy when he's 25 living at home. Timothy! All right, anyway. <laughs> Have you figured it out? When you do figure out what your, uh, what your life purpose is, that life purpose can be internalized and Some of us don't even realize what it is that's guiding us, but it can work like a GPS within us. What Jesus offers is more than a a guidance system. It's more than a philosophy. It, It is his very person, the person of the Holy Spirit who could reside in you. So when Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and life, no one can come to the Father except through me. Who is accounted in that number? Everyone. Everyone, we're either following the plan or fighting against it. Tradition tells us that the Apostle Thomas followed the plan. He followed it to the east. He took the gospel all the way to India, where our brothers and sisters are celebrating 
Easter Sunday even now. Don't let anyone tell you life is all about the journey. That's not true. It's about the destination. What matters most is where you end up. And Jesus is inviting you. We're inviting you to join us in this journey, wherever you are in your spiritual journey, wherever you've been, whatever baggage you bring, to come along and let's figure it out together. Who are you? What's your life purpose? And question number three, what's your plan? Do you have a plan? You've got re- retirement plans. What about your plan? What's the plan? Now, I meet with people all the time who have been very successful in, in life, on, on the ledger of life, and yet there is something missing inside. That's really the theme of that video. And a question that I would ask, simply ask is, you have a plan? How's that working out for you? How's that working out for you in your mid-40s, me in your 50s? And your, how's that working out for you? Is life playing out the way that you had, had anticipated it would? Here's Jesus' plan. He came to live a perfect life. He came to die so you'd be reconciled. He came to live so that you might have a new life and a legacy that will last into eternity. That's why he's come. As a postscript to John's eyewitness account, he writes these words. It's on the screen. He says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples. They're not all recorded in this book. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and so that by believing, you may have life in his name. Seeing is believing. If you have questions, if you have questions, it's okay. Come and join us in asking those questions, those big life questions. And the wise people around you, they're not going to speak up and throw an answer at you. They're like, let's, let's talk about it. Let's figure it out together. Do you have doubts in your faith? Do you struggle uh, with, with doubt and with, with, all, with the evidence that's out there? You're not sure? Join the club. Join the club. Are you still skeptical that no matter what you see or hear or experience, there's nothing that will change your mind? Well, we believe as a church that every single person here matters to God and that you're here for a reason today that this meeting today was for a purpose. And so I would speak the words that Jesus spoke to Thomas to you. Stop doubting and believe. May the Holy Spirit open our eyes to see the risen reigning king. Let's pray. Lord, these big questions in life, are often asked and answered by others. Where we oftentimes people passively just accept the answers that they're that they're given by family, culture, society, wherever we might be. Lord, we're we're being spoon-fed answers. We want the truth. We want what's really real. We want to see you. And we thank you, Lord Jesus that you are alive and you are reigning and by your Holy Spirit, you are present in this place. Lord God, I pray you hear our prayers that we're lifting up to you now. Prayers for ourselves, for those of us that are doubting and have questions. Prayers for, for a friend that we've invited to church that 
that they would continue just to take that next step. Maybe that next step is even today. Lord, would you show yourself to each and every one here. We thank you, Lord. We love you. We celebrate new life, new life secured for us, not by anything we can do, but by solely your grace in Jesus Christ. And all God's children said, amen.